Hey there, thanks for stopping by and checking out the Seasons Podcast with Riley Winter. I'm Riley, your host, a local portrait photographer in the Black Hills of Rapid City, South Dakota. I specialize in weddings, seniors, families, and headshots. I have been so lucky and blessed these last eight years of business, having met and photographed so many people along the way. I believe photos tell the story of a day, hopefully giving you a glimpse in that moment of time. But not everyone gets to know the personal stories of those I photograph, like I do. They see a beautiful portrait of someone or a couple on their wedding day, but maybe they don't get to know that person, who they are, the struggles they have, or the stories of how they got to where they are today. So I wanted to give and create a space to tell the stories of those I've met, to hear their point of view and see what season of life they're in now. I have a list of fascinating people and conversations ahead, so I hope you tag along and maybe one or more of these topics will relate to you in your journey. Again, this is Riley Winter, The Seasons Podcast. Guys, this past week was wild. I never expected to receive the overwhelming amount of support from friends, family, clients, and followers. Thank you all for listening to the premiere episode. It means so much. My guest today is Sharon Chief Wilkinson of Morningstar Visions here in Rapid City. Sharon's own story is a story of perseverance, persistence, and overcoming life's obstacles to find the reason behind one's purpose. This past year, I witnessed something that changed my life, I kept it private for a long time, and with the help of Sharon for many months, I was able to talk to you about it today. I hope you enjoy. Well, I told you I was going to do this podcast probably three or four months ago now, and um, here we are. Yes. You're my second guest. Yes. (laughs) I'm excited for you to be here today. I know you were a little hesitant. Guys, today I am joined with my guest and friend, Sharon Sheep Wilkinson of Morningstar Visions here in Rapid City. How are you? I'm very good. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Yeah. This will be good. Now tell me, where are you from originally? Where I'm from originally? I was born in Bassett, Nebraska. Okay. And uh, my father was on the railroad and he was working his way up in the career. So we moved for many years, approximately every year to different little towns as he worked up into his dream job was to be a dispatcher. He finally made that in Shadron, Nebraska, and that's where we settled. Okay, okay. So Shadron's kind of home base. I think I was in Shadron about 27 years. Really? Yes. Oh, okay, okay, awesome. Growing up, how many siblings did you have? I have one sister. She's okay. three years older. Okay, okay. And after you left home, did you pursue education right away? or? I did not. I graduated from Mm -hmm. Rock County High School in Bassett, Nebraska, because we ended up moving back to the place where I was born when at the end of my junior year. Okay. My dad ran a small grocery store for a while. Yeah. And um, then he went back to the railroad. Yeah. And you have two sons, correct? Yes, I do. Okay. And their names? Rob is the oldest one and Jason is the youngest. Okay. And you have grandchildren? I really have grandchildren. Yes. Yeah. I know you... You you light up when you talk about them. I light up when yeah. I talk about my grandchildren. They seem yes. fun from what you've shared with me. And fun and sharp yep. and uh, very, very, very strong individuals in their yeah. own right. Yeah. Very strong. Good, good. Does everyone live here in town? Yes, yeah? thank okay. God. Yeah. Close by. And you get to see them often. Um, yeah, good. yeah. Good. Make what, it a point to see them. What more could a grandma ask for? Nothing. Right? Nothing. Nothing more. It's, that's perfection. <laughs> Chuck... Was your beloved husband. And 
very much. Chuck passed away in 2014, right? Yes. Okay. How long were you two married? We were together about 15 years. Okay. We would have been married 13 years Mm -hmm. um, if he would have lived to see that anniversary, which was about a month and a half after he was gone. Okay. Yeah. In our talks together, and, and you've shared um, memories and stories of Chuck, and, and and you light up when you talk about him. And, you know, Megan and I are, are newly married, but I, I imagine both of us would be the same as how you are with Chuck now, today. Yes. Just yes. love him deeply still, um, Would would... I imagine myself feeling like you in years to come, if anything were to happen to uh, either of us. So it's it's wonderful that you keep his memory alive and that you apply him still to every day, you know. I I, 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 I feel like I I feel like he and I would have gotten along really well just based yes, off the stories that you've told me with yes, him. You would. And I don't know. So thanks for sharing Chuck with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's I think I share him often. Which is good. Of Without course you even have to. knowing. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fun, but also interesting that he's still teaching lessons. Yes, he is. To you or to me or to anyone else that you visit with. Yes, he so, does. I don't know. Yeah. I I am a big fan of Chuck and I don't know him. Oh. So um you are the owner of Morning Star Visions here in Rapid City, which yes. is how I met you um this past year. Um before we get into Morning Star. Um, what did you do before then for work? Um, rightly before then, I was deputy court clerk in mm-hmm. Hot Springs, South Dakota. Okay. And I worked in a hardware store in Hot Springs, South Dakota for a time. Mm-hmm. Um, needed to go through, because I went through some significant life changes. Right. Yep. Um, which I don't, I don't know where you want to go with those. Yeah. I, I don't have it's a problem to, with where we would go. Yeah. You've had your own struggles like everyone else. I have had my, mm-hmm. my challenges and yes. I've had my... So it was in, I believe it was in the late summer of... I believe it was around the end of July 1983. Mm-hmm. I came to terms with my addiction issues. Yep. And begin to get support, get mm-hmm. help for that. My mm-hmm. my biggest support came from a wonderful sponsor. Yep. And 12-step program in Hot Springs. Yes. From there, I was literally invited to um, become what they called a counselor trainee in the field of addiction, mm-hmm. which meant after many, many years of not being in school at all and struggling with these things, mm-hmm. um, I found myself, if I wanted to be in that field, needing to take college courses. Yeah. And so at that time, those college courses were not offered on a campus of, of any kind. Mm-hmm. We had to go where the, where the college teachers or where the addiction professors, teachers were. And sometimes right. we'd go to Pierce, sure. Falls, um, sure. to get the credits that we needed to stay in the field and mm-hmm. to get where we wanted to go. Sure. So, How old were you then? 36. Okay. And had experienced life already and more life to come. So that's yeah. wonderful yeah. that you made that revelation because you had your whole life ahead of time mm-hmm. to enjoy. And, right. you know, uh, how what an important and early lesson to learn for you. And here you are. So that's right. wonderful. Morningstar Visions. Um, 
you tell me in your own words what, what Morning Star Visions is first. Morning Star Visions has changed a great deal. The first years, mm-hmm. um, I worked in different agencies mm-hmm. as um, chemical dependency counselor. Yep. Um, I did some things in the community connected to the agencies that I worked for. Mm-hmm. And then had a great deal of support from a lot of the professionals here in Rapid City who worked in the same field I did mm-hmm. to go into private practice, which was terrifying. That's scary. That's a was, big leap. Yeah. yeah. And and I I knew I needed to do that. Yeah. I had um I did not have anything you would call a nest egg yeah. to finance that. Sure. But I found some wonderful people working at the Dushek building, which mm-hmm. is now a completely different setup of its own. Yeah. And I found a little office mm-hmm. that they would rent me for a very nominal fee that I put together. Mm-hmm. Um, the first client I ever saw, we sat on the floor. I okay. had no furniture except an old gray steel military desk. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. Dorrance Dushek gave me mm-hmm. because I had nothing. Okay. So my client and I sat on the floor, mm-hmm. leaning up against that desk, and we had our first mm-hmm. session. But that's powerful in itself. That was... Um, she remained a close friend and a fellow professional mm-hmm. for a long time and recently learned um, she had passed away. She was quite ill, I believe, with cancer. But sure. anyway, she was my... She was the first. the first person to trust me in yeah. private practice. And that, it went that's special. There. Yeah. At Morningstar, um, and uh, I know you help with a variety of issues, substance help, general life coaching, career coaching, couples counseling, self-reflection, and, and trauma. Um, did I miss anything? I don't think so. That okay. uh, The first years that I was in private practice, I worked specifically with addiction mm-hmm. and um then um, with the help of my own life coach, I begin to see that um, that's extremely hard work, real kind of Heavy. uphill work a yeah. lot. Yeah. And I begin to talk with him about kind of moving into working with what a lot of us call late stage recovery, which would be mm-hmm. people that are now sober, people yep. that are looking at some life changes. Yes. So I found that to be extremely interesting. And with, with his help, Richard Kiefer is his mm-hmm. name, with Richard's help, over about a period of a year and a half or so, I just transitioned and let go of a lot of things so that I could kind of broaden my scope. And Good. And it was about believing that I could do it mm-hmm. and, and yeah. climb out of that yeah. real structured addiction work. Yeah. So, well, you're doing it. I'm um, doing you it. Know, uh, so your, your clients um, come and meet you in your downtown office here mm-hmm. in Rapid City. Mm-hmm. Sessions are usually an hour. Yes. Yes. And um, I would imagine certain subjects or issues that you that come to you are more difficult than others. Yes. Heavier than others. Yes. Which you have such a big heart that I know you take that on in those sessions. Okay. You do, which is wonderful, and I a lot of people thank you that for that. Mm. Everyone's timeline of healing or progress is different. Um, I'm sure some clients come once and you don't see them again, which is great. That's fast healing. And some you have been with you for years. Yes, they have. Which is yeah. okay too. There's no timeline or, or there's no deadline. Right. right. Which is important for people to know if they need someone to talk to, I think. Okay. Um, 
I always would imagine your job is like Netflix. Every person coming in is a different show you watch. Every person coming in is a different story, maybe a drama, a tragedy, a thriller. But, um, you know, of course, these are very serious issues that I know you deal with. But it's got to be just you don't know what's coming. I do not know what's coming in that door. I don't. Which you wake up every day, you don't know what's coming. I don't. How, How do you feel about that? How it's do a, I feel about every day's a new day? Yeah, I mean it's it's an adventure, it, for sure. <laughs> I I just really love the way you put it, so I'm going to just okay. keep that for myself. And well, Riley, I'll tell you up front with all the things we've talked about so far. Here's mm-hmm. here's how Sharon starts her day. Mm-hmm. This is what I've learned. Yeah. This is what I've learned in my personal life. Mm-hmm. This is what I've learned in my professional life. Yeah. I have learned that if I want to be there for you or them or me mm-hmm. or my family, I need to start that day early, early, early. Yeah. And I need to start it spiritually. For yourself. Yeah. yeah. If I don't get that centered for myself, mm-hmm. then then I carry, like any human being, I can carry mm-hmm. chaos into my day. I can carry stress. I can carry worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can carry... Uh, I can carry the focus being on me, which mm-hmm. um, which doesn't benefit anybody. So part yeah. of my self-care that I think has enabled me to do what I do mm-hmm. is it's my faith. It's yeah. my spiritual path. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an incredible deep belief in all of that. And I also believe that's there for the people who come through the doors. And there isn't... A particular thing that I stress other than um, to to find ways to offer thoughts about mm-hmm. a spiritual life mm-hmm. or um, a power greater than us. Mm-hmm. Just not a religious thing. Yeah. So I think that's what enables me to mm-hmm. go and do what I do. Yes. And and overall is you got to take care of yourself before you can help yeah. others. And that applies to everyone, I mm-hmm. think, in life. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be in a relationship, that could be co-workers, that could be whatever you're dealing with. It, it, you could apply it, copy and paste and apply that to yeah. any situation. Through knowing you, um, mm-hmm. you have an incredible connection to the earth, its elements, um, through God or whatever creator a person believes in. Uh, through our, no- our local Native American culture and its principles, and you incorporate all of that in your teachings and your practices. Um, what are what what about that are you drawn to? Um, Which part? Which well, um, I mean, all saying all that, it it kind of shapes you, and I mean, I guess it kind of answered my own question. That's just what you incorporate to help others, um, but. I think so. I think all of that's important. I mean, it's, it's all of it. Having known you, you incorporate all that, but then that reflects on your teachings, at least with me. And I can't imagine, I, I mean, I, I would imagine it is the same with all of your other um, friends that come see you, you know? And I don't know. Am I saying that right? It's a connection to all of that, I guess. Where do you think all of that began? I mean, not everyone's connected with our surroundings or... Um, how much time do we have? Well, <laughs> no, I can I can do this. I've I've. That's a big question. It's a wonderful question, and the first thing, um, 
it's something I have to say, Riley, is mm-hmm. I appreciate our friendship, you and I. Yeah. I find in you a part of me that I don't see very often, and that's compassion. Thank Sometimes you. I get real busy. Thank you. And, and I go from this to this. Mm-hmm. So this time that we're spending this morning, there, there is not a better person for me to talk to Thank about you. sacred things. Whether it's Chuck, whether it's planting trees, whether it's my work, yes. not a better person. Thank so, you. Um, so, as a little girl, mm-hmm. I spent significant amounts of time by myself. Yeah. Um, pretty introvert, even yet today. Sure. Very introvert back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not grow up easily. It mm-hmm. There was... Um, there were situations where, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, my family struggled. Sure. So anyway, so I grew up kind of a nature kid. Mm-hmm. I found a lot of peace in my pets, different horses especially, yeah. different animals <laughs> around us. I felt I felt a sure. connection. Sure. Felt yep. a connection with the sunrise and the sunset. Big part of my grief is I lost a connection with that mm-hmm. when I begin to go into the addictions. Mm-hmm. I ne- I always knew there was a God with me. Yep. I always knew mm-hmm. there was a God with me. Mm-hmm. But there's a shame and there's a guilt that comes with all the addiction issues. Yeah. And I, I couldn't reach that. I couldn't believe that that, that, that God could care about me. So yeah. there's that. Mm-hmm. All right. So we move forward. And I finally, through different challenges, mm-hmm. find myself getting sober. Yeah. So here's what I say, Riley. Alcoholics Anonymous gave me sobriety. Mm-hmm. And then... The tremendous people I met in the Native community gave me back my spirituality. And I I just was allowed to be part of things that changed my heart Mm -hmm. and changed my life. I met people that were brave and smart and strong Mm -hmm. and humble Mm -hmm. um, and fun. And, And that let me move forward it's hard hard to put into words. It was oh an experience that it sounds like for you. That... It was it was literally coming back to life, yeah. but it was coming back to the life that I knew was there. Not a yeah. not a form, Riley. Yeah. Not a not a religious approach, but it was just a it was a spiritual approach. From there, I've come back around to some things that are very familiar to me, mm-hmm. where I have um, my faith has grown again to. Mm-hmm include some of the concepts that I felt were were a bit judgmental when I was still healing. Mm-hmm. And now I find them comforting and not judgmental. Yeah. So there's a wonderful circle that's come around. Yeah. And boy, have I fallen flat on my face sometimes. Yeah. Just boom. Yeah. Just. But I love a full circle moment. And <laughs> I think you do too. They bring us home. <laughs> they, they do. Home they again. do. <laughs> yeah. One thing uh, you and I share and recognize is and we talk, we've talked about this a lot, is the importance of signs and symbolism and what their meanings are, what's behind them. We've discussed many things in my life and what they could or couldn't mean. And that brings me to how I met you. And uh, so to, to preface, to give a little backstory before I met you, um, this past year was my 27th year. I turned 27. Um, uh, my birthday is January 20th. And for a while, um, 
I felt just career-wise or in life, I felt a little stuck with, you know, I, I create beautiful things for a living and that's wonderful. But um, after a while, it it can be a little routine. Um, and so I had breakfast with, um, the day after my birthday, I had coffee and breakfast with my college professor, Steve Babbitt, at his house. And I expressed to him, I felt a need to do something more, something with a purpose with my photos. Um, I told him I had checked a lot of boxes, you know, um, in my life. I had, had done a lot of things by the book, had a, a successful business. And, you know, I thought that something, I was just drawn to do something different, something powerful with photos. And um, as a senior portrait photographer, I am, I shoot all over the hills, private properties, in town, out of town. And one element that is um, one of my favorites is downtown Rapid City to shoot, which is where your office is too. And I run into you now and then when I'm shooting. Um, downtown Rapid City, um, it, is, it is no secret. We have a population in town that um, many individuals don't have a home and that weighed heavy on my heart. And for many people, it can be scary for a panhandler to come up to them. But for me, it, it, it's immediately my, what can I do to help? Mm-hmm. And I, I can't do too many things in life, but what I can do is take pictures and I can take photos. And Steve and I talked about, you know, what can I do? How can I do something with photos to tell a story of what any of these people are going through? And we talked about how, you know, it would have to be uh, done it's a sensitive topic. Um, it would have to be powerful and perhaps it could invoke change. And so we left that wondering, you know, what if he kind of just said, you know, let me know what you do. Let me know what you decide. And I think I kind of put that on pause. And sure. so, um, a couple months later, um, uh, it was March 14th. Um, my then fiance, Megan, um, she was working at the hospital and before she changed to her current position, she was working at the hospital and, uh, Megan has a cute little Audi SUV and it's fine in the snow, but she doesn't like to drive in the snow. (laughs) She just doesn't. And so me working for myself, if I am able to, um, drive her, she will not pass up the opportunity in the snow. It was an icy morning uh, in a March winter in South Dakota. Um, at the time, her shift, she needed to be there at 6.30 a.m. So I threw on sweats and a, and a hat and a coat and I drove her. I dropped her off at the hospital. Um, our house is on the west side, so it's 10, 15 minute drive to the hospital. Um, and when leaving the hospital, I went on Cathedral Drive um, to go and turn right onto 8th Street, Mount Rushmore Road. When I turned right, um, for anyone in the area, um, Mount Rushmore Road or 8th Street uh, goes two lanes north and two lanes south. It was icy, of course, pitch dark, pitch black, and maybe 10 degrees out, there were three snow plows ahead of me, and they were tiered, which I imagine is the formation of plowing snow to make sure nothing is missed, one after another in different lengths. I was heading north in the left-hand lane. They were probably going four or five miles an hour, rightfully so. It's a winter day. Um, On on Mount Rushmore Road or 8th Street, uh, there's an intersection of 8th Street and St. Pat. Many people know this to be the corner of Starbucks. 
And the plows, you know, I thought in my head, I was like, oh, this is taking so long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, I'm going to turn left at Starbucks and I'm going to go down West Boulevard and go home. The plows, I think it was a yellow light and the plows went through and I stopped, of course, at the red light. Um, from here on out, it was like a dream. Um, I remember looking to my left and there was a homeless man walking by my window. He was in a Carhartt jacket and he kind of gave me a grin and kept walking. And then I looked ahead and I thought, I thought, you know, I was like, what the hell is going on? There were seven or eight other men in the street scattered in this intersection um, and looking ahead uh, in, you know, again, two lanes going north, two lanes going south and the lanes, the southbound lanes, so the ones across from me, there were maybe 10 to 15 cars in the right-hand lane, assuming turning right into Starbucks. And... Ten, fifteen cars um, backed up. There was no one in the left lane. Um, no, none in the oncoming left lane. And again, seven to eight men in the street here. Out of nowhere, a white two-door F-150 came through at, had to have been 40, 45 miles an hour. Far too fast for those conditions. And he went right through this group of men. Many were pushed to the corner of the Starbucks retaining wall. For anyone in the area, there's a retaining wall in the corner. Four or five were pushed to the corner of the retaining wall. One was tossed up in the air and landed on the ground. And that we will call him man number one. And to his right is man number two who, you know, waved his hands, you know, I'm sure shouting something, you know, what's going on, what, you know. And the F-150 kind of fishtailed and did a 180, and so its front end went into the retaining wall. So here I am, still stopped, ready to turn left. There is man number one on the ground, and man number two, his friend standing above him. had to have been 20 or 30 seconds later a silver Lincoln Navigator SUV comes through again the same oncoming lane and now the Lincoln Navigator hit man number two the one that was standing this flipped him in the air four or five times and he landed face down in the intersection. Now keep in mind, I'm in the turning lane. The Lincoln Navigator slams on his brakes and parks right next to my driver's door on my left-hand side. He hops out and runs to the intersection. Um, my mind is completely focused on man number two. He was just flipped in the air and lands right in front of my pickup maybe five or six feet ahead of me. 
I immediately called 911, told them what happened. They told me to remain calm, that they had another lady on the line who had witnessed it in another car. And she was told them the same story. Um, they told me to leave my pickup and that authorities would be on their way. I left my pickup to go check on man number two in the intersection. Uh, the driver who had hit him in the Lincoln Navigator had gotten out as well. And he was crouching down in this intersection. And man number two had who had been hit, um, he had been hit. He had been hit so hard that his pants and underwear had flown off. He was face down in the middle of the street. Blood was coming from his head. And uh, I know it's not my fault, but I always keep a blanket or a coat in my car because I'm a portrait photographer and I have family sit on them. My couples uh, who are engaged will sit on them. And I ran back to my car and I didn't have anything. The one time I didn't have anything. There was a blonde lady um, who got out. She was in Navy scrubs, so I knew she was um, a nurse like Megan. She said, I just came upon this. I'm on my way to a shift at the hospital. Um, and I told her, I said, my fiance is a nurse. I have no medical training, but I can do it. Tell me what to do. Tell me what you need. This nurse, she said, we, we, need, we need to get him covered up. And, you know, I, I'm at a loss because I don't have the, a blanket or a coat. Um, I, I, after tearing apart my pickup, looking for anything, I had nothing. And I went back and I told the nurse that I had nothing. And so she took her coat and, and we wrapped his waist. In, in this time... You know, like I said, it's like a dream. You, you feel like time is so slow. Um, and I thought, where, where the heck are the authorities? You know, I called, another lady called. We're two minutes from the hospital. And, and to their credit, looking back, they were there within minutes. But in the moment, it felt hours. Um, when they arrived, the firefighters immediately went to the Lincoln Navigator to the left of my pickup. And I was so confused and I thought, what are you doing? There is a man here in the middle of the street. I mean, I'm right here. We need your help. And what I didn't know, it, looking back, being in my pickup, seeing man number two flipped, he has no pants on, he lands in front of my pickup. The, the human brain focuses on one thing. And I forgot about man number one. When the navigator went through, it took him with him. God, Riley. And so we all didn't know, including the driver, as we're all standing with the man in the middle of the intersection, someone, that man, a person, is entangled underneath the navigator to the left of my pickup. No one knew. 
So how the authorities knew, I, I'm not sure. But oh my God. we were just focused on what was in front of us, which I'm, I imagine is just human instinct. You know, someone was hurt in front of me. I'm trying to help him, as was everyone else. But we didn't, we, we forgot about someone else. The authorities helped, of course, and, and I had to give a, a statement, write down my information. And I got in the car and I just started sobbing. And I knew Megan was at a shift change and she couldn't answer her phone. So I called my mom and just started crying, telling her what happened. Now, her immediate thought is that, as I'm telling her, she thought that I hit someone. And so she was upset. Well, no, I, I didn't. And, you know, by the time... And I got home and I, I told her everything. And, um, you know, what does a mother say to that? Right. Uh, my dad called me shortly after and I told him. And just to tell your parents that is... It's just hard, you know, even today to tell you and I've already told you about it. It's just hard you're, to still talk about. <laughs> you're going back there. Yeah. I mean, you have to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I think is important is one of those men died that day. Um, the man under the navigator. And one of my best friend's moms, who you know as well. Um, works with many in that community, many who don't have homes in our community. Mm. And I talked to her later that day, and um, what a gift that she told me um, those men's names, you know. Um, she said they were a group of men who had stuck together for safety and protection. Um, mm. That was the worst. That was the worst day of my life. Um, but I can't imagine those men, um, if they had families, but they were someone's son, you know, they were someone's brother, someone's father. And it was important for me. And I, I thank her for that, for telling me their names, you know, that they're not forgotten. They got to be people. Yeah. They got to be people. They weren't just someone in the street, you know, um, a week after that happened, Megan and I uh, and our friends went to Arizona. We had a combined bachelor and bachelorette trip, and we had a lot of fun, of course, and it was a wonderful experience. But looking back, it probably was not the best place for me to be at that time. It was certainly a numbing experience, I would say. And I don't think I'd processed everything that I'd been through. Um, we came back from our trip, and, and I know I wasn't the same. Um, and so for the rest of March, April, and part of May, I was very reserved, probably snappy. Um, I didn't smile as much. And, you know, keep in mind, we're planning a wedding at this time <laughs> and life and careers. And uh, Megan was upset a couple times. And she said, you know, I'm worried about you. You're angry. You're sad. You're just not happy anymore. You know, Um we, we hadn't gotten in any arguments or anything, but she knew I was different and she didn't know how to help. And one day I had to go to my parents' house, um, talking about decor or something for the wedding. And my mom just turned to me and she was like, what is your problem? You know, because she thought I just had, you know, I was angry about something sure. or if I was in a bad attitude and, 
I just burst into tears and I said how, you know, all these months later, the accident still stuck with me. And she said, you know, you need to talk to someone. And so um, a friend of mine, the same one whose mom works with the homeless community, referred me to you. And they see you as well, as do um, many people that I know now know do and come and see you. Um, and I think when I first came to your office and I sat down, I kind of said my name and I just burst into tears and I just started telling you the same story. But being with you, I learned that you, you believe that I had PTSD from that day. Something stuck with me and I, I wanted to know why it affected me so much, you know, and you said You said that you believe that it affects me so much because it's um, outside of my wheelhouse of comprehension. Because, and I'm very lucky, I've had a wonderful, blessed life. I've had no trauma thus far. And it was so far out of my comprehension or anything that I had ever seen that this is why it weighs so heavy on me. And it still does to this day, you know? How blessed am I to have gone... 27 years without any sort of trauma. Well, I mean, that's lucky. That's rare for many people. Mm-hmm. I have all my family members except a couple, which that was hard too, but I had never witnessed a car accident. No one hurting anyone. And that's a blessing. I recognize that. But for this was incomprehensible for me. And so that brings me back to, again, signs and symbolism. And I'm not sure what this experience was for me. I still don't. But maybe it's a pathway to something. Mm-hmm. And I think you would agree. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I don't know. That. Thank you for helping me through all that. It was... And I'm still working on it. Here yes, I am you today. Sure. You know? It, it changes us, Riley. It took me... It took me a long time to be able to go through that intersection again um so i can today this day i think about those men but now and then i'll still be upset and i don't know it like i said not sure what the plan is for that but i think it's a stepping stone you know to help in some way in the future might not be this year but it's something that i experienced that now you know, I can work on or help others with that, I think, for me. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Just a couple other things that you and I talk about with signs and symbolism. I had told you a couple before the wedding. um, I had had a dream about a classmate when I was younger. A couple people had picked on him at school. I was never one of them. Um... And I don't know why it hung, it stuck with me for so long, but about a week before the wedding, I had a dream about him and I woke up the next day and I had a Facebook request from him. Just so weird. Just, and some people might think that's a coincidence or whatever, but to me it was almost like, you know, I'm good. It's okay. Go get married. Enjoy your life. Um, 
Megan and I, another one, Megan and I had both ran into uh, exes from a previous relationship, which again, you know, it was like, I see you. Thank you for that time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go have my forever. Now, we both felt that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I ran into a former friend that same week. We are no longer friends. It did not end well. And it was also reassurance that I'm good. Live your life. It's okay. It's okay to let them go. Uh, and, and lastly, um, as you and Megan bond over orchids. Yes. <laughs> we had this orchid plant that mm. had been a little sad for a while. Was ready to throw it out. And the week of the wedding it blooms. And I don't know. You, what are your thoughts on signs or symbolism? You know, Riley, I love you so much. You're, you're, <laughs> such, you're such a sign in my life. Um, I thank God for the day you, that I met you and you shared. Uh, it's, it, it's a sign. It's a symbol that we're on the path. We're on the right path. When we can offer help or we can, we can listen. Um, I... I, I might have grown up, again, Riley, I, there's so much I don't understand, and I'm so grateful that I don't, because I love the mystery, Riley. You're yeah. part of my mystery. Um, yeah. Your beautiful wife is part of my mystery. Um, the people who suggested that you and I visit sometime, mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. goodness, they're part of my mystery and have been for a long time. Yeah. But it was there was a knowing, Riley, and I, I think that's where you and I connect a lot. There's a knowing in me that these things that, again, you know, there was a gap in my life where I didn't see them, yeah. I didn't feel them. Yeah. Thank God I, I got to come back. But I think it's about, Riley, it's about you being vulnerable enough yeah. to get the signs. And I think I'm in that little gap to wait for my full circle as to why I went through that experience. Ugh. Which, but I'm okay with that. You know, I, I'm, I look forward to seeing what the result of that. You know, was. those are those are deep and they're meaningful and they change our life. And, yeah. You know, if you want to go scientific on it, medical on it, changes yeah. our brain and yeah. all that stuff. Absolutely. But but all of that brings me closer every time it happens. Brings yeah. brings me closer to something that is so much bigger than me mm -hmm. and has a plan and just like you you shared the story again somebody's going to hear your story yeah it's going to open a door mm -hmm. might even help them close the door in letting go yeah and and stepping into forward when i met you we we different times we talked about um possibilities in your life mm -hmm. with your talents with your gifts and here we are we're, yeah, we we're kind of messing with one of them <laughs> yeah. right now. And, and that's how it evolves. And again, yeah. it comes from listening, paying attention. Is, yeah. it, is it time to start doing podcasts? Yeah, so you do them. Yeah. Um, should I go to this person's office and talk? Yeah. yeah. Uh, should I... Uh, this morning I had a, a, a wonderful thing happen. Someone who's been on my heart... Mm -hmm. A great deal since I learned some things yesterday morning. 
my hope was somehow I would be able to connect. But I, but it had to be the process, right? Yeah. It couldn't be me arranging. It yeah. couldn't. I knew that. That's yeah. that thing again. I knew that. And at 5.30 this morning, that person reached out. So cool. And I was able to respond. Yeah. And and just inject a little bit of, we got this. Yeah. Uh, whatever it looks like. Yeah. Whatever we need to do. Yeah. We can do this in incremental movements, but still. Mm. So to explain that, I think, would steal something from it. But you have already used that situation that you were in. Mightily. And you're not done. No, no. I still see the book. Yeah. yeah. I do. I know you would like me to write a book. (laughs) Um, I still see maybe you taking that wonderful camera and your skills downtown. Yeah. Yeah. And doing some things. I think so too. Yeah. I I just, I believe it's time. I believe that Rapid City needs that. I need that. Yeah. Um, Signs and symbols. Um, wow, yeah. they, they they mean pack something. more magic into them mm-hmm. than I can get from some of the books I read. Although if I read them right, the yeah. signs and symbols are in those books. That's right. So you're a beautiful human being, and thank you. You've made such a difference in my life. Thank you. This morning's a, a beautiful example of what you experience getting a message of someone reaching out. Um, I have never had a problem with therapy or working on oneself or talking to someone. I just hadn't needed it prior until this past year. Um, I believe my experience with you has been life-changing and, and you helped me work through processing that event. It took me a long time. Um, I've continued to see you. Uh, Megan said it's okay to share. You know, she sees you. And we've, we know many mutual friends that do as well. What would you say to anyone struggling with that issue? Um, any issue? What is their first step? I think the ownership of something's going on. Mm-hmm. I think the ownership of the impact of, as you said, it can be so many things. Anything. It can be something you and I might call small. Mm-hmm. It could be catastrophic. I think, Riley, if I could, if I had the magic wand... Mm-hmm. Um, I would I tap people on the shoulder to just cause awareness of their of their inner being. Yeah. This busy being of mine that will go to the grocery store and mm-hmm. and uh, fuss and worry about this and that yeah. and that 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 being is just kind of there. But when I listen to the inner being, mm-hmm. who knows why it just happened to be a, mm-hmm. there at the accident. Yeah. Uh, go to the grocery store and you meet somebody you haven't seen for weeks and yeah. you walk away going, signs and symbols. Yeah. I think I would say to them, first step is please listen mm-hmm. to that voice that's prompting you um, to go talk to somebody or to go sit by the creek and, and meditate. If I, could, if I could do anything, it would be to wake up that inner voice mm-hmm. that knows how to steer us perfectly. Yeah. And I think it's important that it it it's never too soon. It's never too late. That's you it. are never too old, never too That's young. It. Male, female, old, young. You know, and I think that might be also where we live. 
Midwestern, hardworking, can be a little hesitant to open up and share that. And that's just a culture. But to talk to anyone, you know, hopefully they all come to you. But, you know, maybe you might not be a good fit for them. That's right. That's exactly Talk to someone, you know, it's important. To bottle that up, for me, I feel my chest getting tight. I feel my stomach not feeling well. Um, I physically feel if I need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And other people might not know that through mental action, Mm -hmm. through thoughts, through habits. Um, It's just so important. I've learned that this past year. Maybe people have gone that way their whole life and not known that they need to speak to someone. What we know medically, scientifically, and spiritually is keeping things bottled up can eventually break us down spiritually, certainly emotionally, or sorry, physically, certainly emotionally, but it's it's been proven for many years now. Yeah. The more I hold things in, mm-hmm. the more, um, my goodness, I, I lessen the effectiveness of my immune system. Yes. Um, too many, too many physical issues have been tracked back to emotional repression mm-hmm. and the denial that I'm an emotional being. Yeah, and that's okay. Oh my goodness. That's okay. We're created, Yeah. you know, all of that. Yeah. So. This is the Seasons Podcast. What do you feel like you're in? Where do you feel at, that you're at in this season, in, season of life? You know, I, about a week ago, Riley, I had, a, I would call it another spiritual awakening. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a cycle in my life has been completed in terms of processing loss, as, as you talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, at the age of 74 and a half, mm-hmm. I know about things like, you know, the last days of our life, etc. Mm-hmm. But I also know what, what you've said too is, you live every day to its fullest. And that might be very simple. That might be a very complicated day tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I think I've come around that circle again to where I'm back to almost kind of a springtime of attitude. Yep. And let's go. Yeah. Let's go again. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm more open to creativity today mm-hmm. than maybe a year ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware, as I told you. Yeah. This is a bit of a coming out kind of thing for me in yeah. this in this cycle of years where I've held back because there's still some pain. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great missing. Yeah. And there's great joy at these things mm-hmm. that have come into my life um, to fill up my soul, to fill up my spirit, mm-hmm. even though there's an absence. Yeah. Same even book, though. different chapter. And I'm excited about getting back into my garden. Yes. Um, I want more trees, if that's possible. Yeah. Um, I've thought, you kind of rub off on me here, <laughs> that I might like to do some workshop kinds of things that are just educational in our community because that hasn't been happening for a long time. Right. On things like we've talked about. Yes. Own your feelings. Yeah. Uh, believe in yourself. Yeah. So that's kind of back there. Yes. Kicking around, like I yeah. think I'm ready again. Yes, that kind of intertwines with my last question: is Oops. what is what's your light? What drives you forward? What pushes you forward? Huh. 
it's that mystery. A friend of mine, his first name is Kurt, said something to me as we were talking one day. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about how does it happen? Why does it happen? Yeah. You know, if to, to include the really good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I looked at him and I said, you tell me why these abundant things show up. Mm-hmm. Big or small, they, we just, they're just abundant. Mm-hmm. And he just casually looked at me, and this is not a religious man. He casually looked at me and he said, I guess it's God's wild heart. Yeah. That's what pushes me. Mm-hmm. It's that wild heart that I don't understand. Can't live without it. I don't understand it. But I want to come from that, mm-hmm. Riley. I want to come from that wildness that you can't explain. And again, my introvert self may not feel so wild. You know, mm-hmm. might go home and read a book, and you won't mm-hmm. see me again until tomorrow morning. <laughs> but there's there's some of that that pulls me forward to say, mm-hmm. man, this is a random universe, and it's great. Yeah. It's great. Get to meet people like you. That's right. That's right. I want to tell you, you are an absolutely unique and incredible human being. I feel like I've known you a lifetime, and mm-hmm. it's just been a short time that we have known one another. You have helped push me to do new things, such as this. Yes. Um, to establish boundaries in relationships when needed, to heal from certain events, and, and to work on myself when, when I had not before. Mm-hmm. My only regret in life is not having met you sooner. I... I have met three people in my life that I believe are angels among us, and I think you are one of them. Thank you. Yeah. It's a privilege and an honor that I can tap into every day. Yeah. Yeah. So So thank you. This is a forever friendship. Yeah. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to today's episode with Sharon. She has been such an influence in my life this past year, and I feel it's important for me to share her with all of you. This was a heavy episode for me, and the conversation and sharing of my thoughts is very reflective and similar of a session with Sharon. I have kept this story very private this past year, only sharing with friends and family and Sharon herself. I wanted to share this experience with all of you and encourage anyone who's listening, if you are struggling, don't wait to get help. I promise you, letting out these thoughts and feelings of whatever you're going through will help you along in whatever season you're in. Please reach out to Sharon at Morningstar Visions if you have anything you need to talk about. And thank you for listening.